on the final episode of Comedy Rewind. How many scenes in old school would make it into Will Ferrell's career highlight reel? Is it okay that nobody seemingly learns a lesson by the end of this movie? How old does it make you feel that the old guys in old school are between 30 and 35? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. Rewind! Rewind. Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on guys? Welcome back to 8-Bits Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio Technica as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s and 2000s. I'm your host, John O'Peck. And for the last time, you're my boy, Brendan. <laughs> Brendan White from the Hungry Gamers. It is a pleasure to be here. I'm uh, a little short of breath because I just got done streaking, <laughs> but I'm feeling pretty good about myself overall. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, bittersweet wrapping up the podcast after... I, I, four years, I think, is the, the the length of time we've been doing this, and it's been really fun. But this is the last episode, and I thought, you know, let's go out the way that most episodes have been with just just you and me, Brendan. That's it. That's it. We've got the, we've got the A team. We've got the band back together to uh, rediscover a classic from the uh, early two thousands. And then go out on a high. Hopefully, I'm I'm very <laughs> optimistic that uh, you enjoyed your time with this one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, nah, it's good to it's good to watch old school. Uh, it's it was the one from my list that I was like, that's probably the one that I really want to talk about before we wrap things up. Even though you know, there's still plenty of movies we could have covered, but um, yeah, it's just it's just time to put the podcast to rest. It's it's been a good ride, eighty something episodes, and um. It's it's mostly for people listening out there. It's mostly to do with time, and I'm having a second child quite soon, and kind of losing the drive. Thank you, but uh, kind of losing the drive to do this show, and it's getting harder to find movies that we haven't talked about yet, and finding guests um, every week is a lot of work, and you know the time you have to put into watching it. But um, you know, I'm still hanging around and doing stuff with Hungry Gamers and having some good fun with you and Ali. So I'm not going anywhere. It's just uh, the commitment of having to do something or trying to at least do something every two weeks, which I have for most of this run. It's um, it's something I don't need in my life anymore. And that's fair enough, man. Like life, life is a high priority, and especially with uh, yeah, baby number two on the way. You need to uh, shift some focus and shift gears and, and just make sure everyone at home is happy and healthy and looked after. And maybe maybe there's some other podcast stuff on the cards yeah. in the future for you. Who knows? But for now, yeah, like you said, you know, nearly, nearly 90 episodes of Comedy Rewind over a four-year period. And outside of maybe this and one other, I don't think you missed that fortnightly release schedule yeah. through the entirety of those four years. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much just been the last couple of months when I knew that that podcast was ending that I was kind of just waiting and not busted myself to, to keep it consistent. But yeah, it's um always, always, uh, you know, if you got to do a podcast, I feel like hitting those weekly or fortnightly consistent drops is the way to do it. But uh, yeah, it does, you know, start to feel like a bit of a grind at some point. Um, but man, it's been so fun, like in, in multiple ways, like doing the podcast to begin with as one of, the, our, at the time, it was like a Patreon stretch thing, and it was really exciting mm. to get that launched. Um, and it gave me like a um, an excuse to drop putting in work back to less frequent um, releases, which was much needed at the time. But 
you know, I've had so much fun re-watching so, like, you know, almost 90 comedies over those years uh, and movies that you might not necessarily make the time to re-watch with so much to watch. You know, there's so many new films and so many series that we all like to, to keep up with. So, to, to make that time every two weeks to go back and watch a classic has been really fun. And more important than that, it's been such a great way to keep in touch with people, especially through COVID. Like every couple of weeks, I'd be talking to you or I'd be talking to, uh, you know, some of the, the other regular hosts that we've had on the podcast. And I've made some new friends from knowing that they're into films and being able to invite them on the show. So that's that's been a really consistent thing to kind of um, have in my life for the past few years. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a bit of a weird transition period, I think, over the coming weeks and months. Not not doing comedy rewind, or yeah. you know, maybe you're just going to watch movies for the sake <laughs> of watching movies. So maybe. there's some positives there. Maybe, but you know, that's enough navel gazing for now. Maybe we'll do some more at the end. But at 2003, old school. Todd Phillips directed or produced or kind of the man behind this film, uh, known lately for the Joker of all it's things. It's so absurd. Isn't that, it's so absurd. It's so like, funny to look at what he was doing back then because it was stuff like Road Trip, Due Date, The Hangover, Old School, and then boom, he drops the you know Joker, which is almost like a James Gunn level, you know, progression. Or it's it's like when um when uh. Uh, who's who's uh, the guy that, that did the big show? You're talking about Peel? Well, yeah, Jordan Peel's an, another example. But Adam McKay, who who is known as like Will Ferrell's partner in crime for all those years, and then he went out and dropped the big short as like a more of a, a crime drama kind of thing. And he's done like so much um, serious stuff since then, like Don't Look Up, you know, um, which has elements of comedy in it. But um, yeah, I, I love seeing people who who specialise in comedy and Jordan Peele is a fantastic example that you mentioned, just jumping into this this world of drama. But you know, we're not we're not here to talk about those movies. Um it's Todd Phillips old school. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fantastic. Like when I was writing and, and correlating all my notes this afternoon, it took me a second for the penny to drop that it was the same Todd Phillips. Yeah. I'm like, no way there's two Todd Phillipses <laughs> in Hollywood. And then I'm like, oh no, it's it's the same gentleman. Yep. It just so happens, yeah, he started on road trip and is currently, uh, yeah, navigating the the super super villain known as Joker. So, uh, what a journey he's been on over the last two decades. Yeah, yeah, he he was very involved in Borat as well. Um, obviously, that's not like something that you can write necessarily, but it's got its own kind of um, process to do. So, yeah, one of those heavy hitters as far as the 2000s comedies and box offices, especially with, you know, The Hangover being what it was, Borat being what it was, um, Starsky and Hutch, School for Scoundrels, he's all over the 2000s. So this one is, um, you know, coming in at 2003. It's probably a good uh, little, like, it, I think it encapsulates what he meant to that decade because it was a... It was a big one, at least for me. What What are your personal memories and experiences with old school? It's It's going to be a similar a similar journey uh, and story to be shared here, as goes with most of the other ones we've watched around this time period. As far as 
17 years old Kumar, in year 11, Savoy. going into year 12. Watch this with some mates at the old Coomer Savoy Twin Cinema yeah. on the old hard wooden seats <laughs> and laughed our butts off the entire time. And then when it made its way to DVD, we, we hired it from the local Video Easy, which was uh, just opened up at the time in, in Coomer Town and watched it again and continued to laugh our ass off many times. And it's just great. Like, it's... like I don't know if calling it underrated is the right thing, like, as far as the big comedies of the, the early to mid-2000s, but I don't feel it gets the same love and attention as some of the other movies we've watched mm. and uh, covered on this show, but it hits just as hard, if not harder, than the majority of the movies that I've been on Comedy Rewind to talk about. Like, it is brilliant, yeah. and <laughs> I loved it then. Yeah, it's probably not quite as over the top as something like a Zoolander or an Anchorman, so maybe it doesn't get remembered as much. Um, it might not be as visually iconic as those things or an Austin Powers or something like that. But yeah, as far as how um, like the, the amount of funny moments in this movie and the the um, some of the cleverness behind it, I think yeah, it is um, it is up there. And my, my my memories of this are a bit hazy because I don't think that I saw it at the cinema. Um, I feel like I heard the hype and like the from people like you that did watch it, and even like maybe like saw Will Ferrell on a talk show like on Conan or something talking about going streaking for real in this movie because that was like <laughs> yeah. such a big moment in the film and such a. Um, wild thing to see from uh could you call will ferrell an a-list actor in 2003 maybe b plus list actor yeah um, but him just him just getting his his uh yeah he's, he's cheesing biscuits out right there <laughs> in that sort of wide scene running through the crowd for his first streak it was uh it's like oh there's will ferrell's penis i don't think i've ever seen that before yeah it didn't make its way into the film i don't think yeah it did did it? I paused it to make sure. Oh, really? I can see. I didn't notice. Yeah. You paused it. Okay. Uh, well, there you go, everybody. <laughs> Brendan paused That's it. That's the level of research we do here yeah. at 8-Bit. Respect. <laughs> yeah. So he was just out of um, Saturday Night Live when this came out. Like the, It was the following year. And I think it was like, okay, this guy's going to be one of the next big comedic uh, movie stars, not just a TV star. And um, yeah, so for him to... to show himself to the world uh, in that, that that way was a, a big thing and uh, I think that's yeah I, so I saw him talking about that on talk shows and you know whenever I did track it down whether it was through like a um, shared version of it or a DVD I've revisited it often over the years I've probably seen this movie five or six times over the past I'm going to say it 20 years this film is 20 years old which that's makes me feel <laughs> very old yeah. um and it's it's aged very well which which we'll get to later um in in a few ways less in in other ways but uh i think in the ways that count so where do you want to guess this one sits on rotten tomatoes i was debating just going the low-hanging fruit just saying 69 mm -hmm. but i think that might be too high for this so i'm gonna go just above neutral and say 52 oh okay uh this one's sitting right on fresh with 60 oh okay yeah 
uh, 69 would have been a little closer. Uh, actually, no, what do you say? 50, 52. 52. Well, you were closer with 52, especially if it's Price is Right rules, which I know you're a big fan That's of. That's how we play. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> hey, it's not too close, so don't get too uh, pleased with yourself. Um, <laughs> I got a few comments from the critics here. Uh, Common Sense Media says, very politically incorrect, funny for many adults. It's pretty basic comment, I, but I, I guess that's true. Um, the Guardian said, it's pretty crass and broad, but there are bigger wastes of time around than this. Uh, not exactly Some a backhanded yeah, compliments here. Not exactly a ringing endorsement. BBC.com said, it's a hilariously funny and unexpected warm look at three men who just want to be boys again. And I think that's probably the one that sums it up for me. It's um, it's a movie about capturing the youth, you know, not just uh, boyish youth of like, you know, your child wonder, but the partying, teenage, carefree, pre-responsibility life that is yeah. the college student or, you know, that the pre-professional career world that, that many of us uh, experience. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's what the movie's about and what it hits really well. Yeah, it's it's a movie about three men skirting responsibility however they can <laughs> in all aspects of their life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they really learn any lessons in this movie. Um I don't think they do, hey. Now that I think about it, it's like does Will Ferrell learn that uh, maybe he should he gets divorced in the end instead of like patching things up with his wife but uh, he, he becomes the the radio dj yeah. at the local school <laughs> i love his radio voice it's <laughs> oh man anyway uh the number one song when this movie released on the aria charts in uh 2002 may 29 2003 what do you what I'm going to need a... Can I request a clue? It's, yeah. it's your last time, uh, so I want to get some little benefits thrown I'll my way, I'll say it's a rock song. It's the rare rock song to hit. Oh, is it Are You Gonna Be My Girl by Jet? No. no. Damn it. No, not an Australian band. Um, female singer, actually. But there's also... It's Evanescence? There's also male vocals, yes. It's Evanescence? Yes, it is. Wake Me Up? Bring Me to Life, actually, is the, the title, but yeah. That's right. <laughs> Good guess. You got there. Even There we go. Prior to that, we had Justin Timberlake, Rock Your Body, Inder Club, 50 Cent, All the Things She Said, those Russian... Oh, those lesbians. Tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> Wasn't that like a big controversy at the time? <sighs> that, that got uh, the heart started of many, <laughs> many a white-blooded human. Yep. R. Kelly, Delta Goodrum, Black Eyed Peas. It was, a, you know, it was that kind of year. So right in the middle of that, you have this... Rock banger from Evanescence featuring Paul McCoy, and it was one, two, three, four. It was like seven weeks at number one, so yeah, pretty, pretty good, pretty good. Take that, Justin. Not a bad song. Yeah. All right, what have you done for me lately? We'll just do the four main casts in this because there's a lot of like smaller roles with big actors that we won't get into. Uh, Luke Wilson, Stargirl CW series. Um, he's just also done like a action thriller with Bruce Willis called Gasoline Alley. I'm guessing that's one of those like many, many movies that Bruce Willis has just been like pumping out while he still has yeah. his health. It's it's a straight to streamer. I've seen it pop up sure. on Torrance as well as on uh, on the Apple TV. It's there to rent for 
far too many dollars, mm-hmm. which is probably only five. But yeah, I will never watch that movie. <laughs> what about Stargirl? Like, I know I, I've never checked out any of these CW things, but I don't know, is, CW, is Stargirl like a, a known commodity IP? Um, in a way, like outside of the big DC heavy hitters, yeah. she's in that like okay. BC tier. And Stargirl's not too bad. I've watched the first half of the first season and enjoyed myself with it, okay. but I just haven't gone back because they all... They all follow the same beats, really, as far as okay. all those CW shows. And it's not a bad thing, but yeah, it's it's not the pinnacle yeah, of superhero no. storytelling, but it's fine. Are they basically just Smallville 2020s version? So that's a good comparison, yeah. Okay. yeah. Fair enough. Um, Vince Vaughn did a film called Queen Pins in 2021, which I've been probably mentioning every time he comes up on this podcast I, is that the sequel to kingpins that's no, or it's got nothing to do no, with that no, movie nothing to do with great it. film by the way <laughs> it's um it looks it looks fun but i have never seen it pop up so i've yet to check it out but um yeah i'll i will when i when i see it somewhere there's also a series called bad monkey that's coming up where he plays um a cop who's been like you know demoted to some lower duties but stumbles across some you know mystery crime whatever that that's a drama so i'm keen to see him in that because i think vince vaughn's a good actor and we don't actually see much of him these days so i'll take what i can get will ferrell's uh just done the christmas film spirited which i don't have an apple subscription at the moment so i missed leading up to christmas did you happen to Get Mary and watch that one. Have not watched it yet. Uh, I've I was close to watching it a few times. Mm. So uh, yeah, Vince and uh, our other pal Ryan yeah, Reynolds. Yeah. It, it looks enjoy. Oh, not Vince. Uh, Will and our other pal yes. Ryan Reynolds. Yep. But it looks enjoyable. But yeah, I just haven't uh, haven't given it a spin sure. yet. Is it like maybe next Christmas, or would you watch it in the middle of the year? As far as Christmas, yeah, I could watch it middle of the year. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not sort of restricted by seasons, okay. so I would uh, I would give it a go if I've got nothing else to watch. Yeah. And he's got to be in that Barbie movie as well, which I'm very interested to see how that reviews because it, it's it's taking some some risks and big big bold moves, Barbie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeremy Piven, who is a name that's never been mentioned on this podcast, I'm pretty sure. Um, he's done a couple of action movies lately that um, aren't worth mentioning because they're so generic sounding. And he's not even like the lead. He's like the third or fourth person in them. And then prior to that, he did a movie called The Last Call in 2021 and a Christmas movie that looks like every other Christmas movie. Um, so... Uh, not probably, I don't know. What, what, do you, what do you make of Jeremy Piven? Because he was, he was pretty big in the early two thousands with Entourage and all of that going on. And, you know, he's getting nominated for Emmys and Golden Globes for, you know, performance in a comedy. And he was fantastic in, um, in this movie, I think playing like the Dean and, and the bad guy. And he, he really, I think he's, he's a really interesting, um, performer but he hasn't really had much of a career since the 2000s i'd say yeah he certainly peaked like entourage he will never get close to that again and and the role of ari gold was fantastic he was phenomenal in the show i haven't watched the entourage movie they did in the i, have. I think it was 2015, yeah, 2015 or so yeah. 
I don't know if it was any good, but the show was phenomenal. I really enjoyed it for what it was back in the day. And he was always one of the best parts of that mm. show. But um, yeah, he's, he's a talented actor. Like, he's got a bit of depth that he can show on screen. Like, he's done drama, like military and war stuff with Black Hawk Down and comedy and romance. So he can play a few roles. Never would be the leading man, but he's always that good mm. uh, leading man's best friend type. And yeah, he's, he seems like a nice guy from what I've seen on screen and in interviews. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan because mostly just because of Ari Gold. Like it's it's one of those those characters that's like he was born to play it. You'd have to say like no one else could have done it, and it's hard to see him as anyone else as well. <laughs> having said that, I think that's true. Yeah. yeah, that role feels like it was made for him and him alone yeah and his energy level and his um how you know the way that the, the quick way that he talks and how snappy he can be yeah very like i i i feel like entourage isn't like remembered fondly because it was such a bro kind of thing but uh yeah i wonder how it, it would hold up um we'll probably never get to answer that on a podcast but might rewatch it one day who knows <laughs> Who knows? Let's get into the categories. What is the most 2000s moment of old school, Brendan? There's not one that I think stands atop the rest. I've got five that I've taken notes from through my viewing this morning. Let's hear. Let's go one by one. So I've got a couple. Okay, so I'll do one, then you do one. Yeah, or you mean you go first. I'll work through. You go first. Okay, the first one I jotted down was the handheld audio recorders and the use of tapes. Oh, yeah. Yep. In the very opening scene? The opening scene, and then it goes full circle at the back end too. Mm. Yep. Uh, I had the line when Vince Vaughn's character is pimping his um, stereo warehouse or whatever they're called. What, what's the name of his company? Speaker? Stereo City, I yeah. think it was. Speaker, Speaker City, yeah. Speaker City, that's right. Yep. He's, he goes, everything from beepers to DVD players. And um, that... <laughs> yeah like I've, I've got that written as my third point actually yeah like beepers were such a sh- i feel like such a short-lived um phenomenon probably like mid 90s to maybe not much longer after 2003 surely like you know unless you're in a cafe and they're handing it to you to let you know that your meal's ready there's not many beepers getting used these days did did either of your parents used to rock a pager back in the day as we call a beeper here? Um, no, I don't think so. I th- like my, my dad got a mobile phone earlier, like 1997. He got like the old Nokia, which was probably before everyone had one, I think. Um, so he made, yeah, but what? when did the pages? I don't yeah. know. My old man had one. Yeah. He rocked one for a while hilarious but uh what? yeah seeing that that was on my list so that was my third point. what industry one was I he had... working in when he rocked the pager or was it for personal use electronic security still yeah, okay yeah interesting yep. yeah he's a lifer yep yep okay uh yeah what was your next one my next one was uh just the the people casually smoking inside the house like okay. after after luke wilson catches his girlfriend cheating on him yeah uh, we're talking about um heidi played by juliet lewis i love juliet lewis though slight tangent she's, she's funny, great yeah. but uh when they're having the discussion down in the kitchen about how she's actually you know into 
into having orgies and is a very big sexual deviant and all that. And she's just chuffing in the kitchen, chain smoking like there's no one's business. That feels very 90s or 2000s to me. Yeah, that's a good point because um, the the way that they shot that with her smoking, I almost felt like they were doing it to emphasize it in a way that he would say something to her about it. Like he was going to say, and how long have you been a smoker for? I didn't know this about you either. But it was just like, it wasn't that. It was just a, this is what people do back then. And it was only two or three years after this that they were starting to ban smoking at like pubs and nightclubs and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it was probably, yeah, the, the dying days of, of that being such a common thing to do. I'm so happy that they've banned it because it's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, shout out to maybe this is the last representation of it in a podcast we'll talk about. So, JP, what's your next 2000s moment? Uh, there was, at the end of the movie, a campus newspaper that people were pulling out to read about, you know, the Dean's humiliation or whatever. Um, just the fact that a university would print something that people would actually read uh, is wild, especially with you know, internet and everything, even in 2003, like they had the internet, um, but I guess it was a time-honored tradition still to have the, the campus newspaper printed out. And I think there would have been like, that would have still been a thing, especially at big universities, but it's definitely not happening now. I think so. I think so. And Outside of that one, the other reference I wanted to mention is the the use of the old traditional old school alarm clocks. Mm-hmm, yeah, because they do not exist in any way, shape, or form for for the majority of us these days. My dad still got one beside the bed. He does. Yeah, <laughs> he's rocking Good the on. like digital clock with the you know the clock radio next to the bed. I don't think he uses the alarm on it because he's retired. I and mean, why would you have to get up early? But you know. Do you have any more to, to mention? Uh, the only other one that comes to mind for me is just the referencing of Hooters. Okay. Hooters was a very 2000s thing and it's sort of, especially here in Australia, like it's still a, a force in America, but it's so far out, out of our out of our day-to-day here in Australia these days that Hooters is a, a long-forgotten memory outside of films like this. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen one over here. Have, have, have we had them? So there was two in Sydney and there was one in Queensland. Right. I think both in Sydney are closed down now and the one in Queensland on the Gold Coast may be still kicking or it could have been mm. bought out and called something okay. else. Did it live up to its reputation if you ever went there? I used to frequent the one in <laughs> in Sydney uh, near Parramatta. That used to be like one of our regular haunts, the boys and I. Yeah. And it was certainly the... The black and gold version of the Hooters the, you get in America, like the, uh, the the quality, take that word, whichever way you want to interpret it, whether it be the service, the food, or everything yeah. else in between, is not the same as it is in America. Yeah, they always talk about the wings being really good there, but yeah, I, I find it hard to, to believe. Uh, most iconic scene... It's got to be the streaking. Like I had a couple written down, but for me, it's you know we already talked about it before. But Will Ferrell getting all the clothes off, running down the street. Um, it's it's so funny, and it starts 
<laughs> with Snoop Dogg performance where he pu- yeah. tries to pull the mic and he's like, you know, we're going... Snoop a loop! We're going streaking. <laughs> Everybody, and then like definitely has to be an improvised line, but he says to, to one of the MCs, he's like, bring your green hat. <laughs> yeah. um, and then it, it continues to with in hilarity to the point where he's running down the street alone and his wife finds him and he has to climb into the car with her horrified friends which i can't imagine being in that position um and he and he asks if kfc is still open yeah that that's so funny <laughs> the, the kfc line is the cherry on top yeah. of that scene based sunday because it's like and i'm hoping that's like ad-libbed as well because so, it's yeah. just perfect and i hacked up laughing because i forgot about the kfc line like <laughs> i could remember the majority of the beats of this movie yeah. but i forgot a couple of those little little throwaways and the kfc line just broke me because yeah they're like bring your green hat and then he's like yeah come on snoop a loop and then paused and yeah saw will's will's junk or whether it be a little cod piece <laughs> over it because it was a wide shot and old like less resolution on the recording but it could certainly see <laughs> some type of apparatus bouncing around between his legs there but that scene is probably the most iconic but this movie i felt to me it was just a series of great moments but that might be the overall Mm. leader to me by a nose like because that was great blue's birthday with the ky jelly wrestling whether it be will on the like as the commentator on the microphone or the wrestling in itself and then poor old blue dying uh, the, the kidnapping Funeral, scene yeah. combined with the metallica uh master of puppets soundtrack going over the top and they're <laughs> kidnapping all these guys and then he's like you know to to rob codroy's wife you say anything we're gonna come back and f- kill you <laughs> but not really he'll be back he'll be back tonight yeah. and then he grabs some stuff out of the grocery bag and jumps in the car like that was very uh, i was just yeah. hacking up for so long in this movie and it brought me so much joy but i'd say the movie is just a series of great moments mm. but yeah the uh the streaking scene's probably the most iconic the only other one that i wanted to mention was the cinder blocks <laughs> that's like a scene that i apart from the streaking that's the other scene that i always think of when i think of old school is cinder blocks tied around the junk and that poor kid getting pulled through pulled down as it as it uh goes through the, the manhole <laughs> oh yeah, poor God. old weensy yeah. just <laughs> and, and i can never tell if he's crying or laughing like when they cut to the shot and he's just laying flat like this and his penis and the cinder blocks straight down the manhole and he's just making noise and i can't tell if he's genuinely like laughing that he found it hysterical or if it's genuine pain because he's tore his I bits it but it's pain. great yeah how could it be anything but pain <laughs> oh gosh that's that, that always cracks me up I, I remember like the first time i watched this movie it's it's coming back to me now i, th- I actually remember watching it with some friends on, on dvd and that being like the one that we had to like pause the tv because we couldn't stop laughing um <laughs> i will say also honorable mention to the scene with uh will ferrell and sean william scott as peppers the uh, yes. the animal handler the trank scene <laughs> just, that is yeah it's so funny the back and forth with those two there just killed me as well i was cackling yeah it's um it's always good to see sean william scott especially when he's got a mullet yeah. yeah uh so what holds up the best what do you have for this one 
I'm going to say the cast. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like we only covered off sort of the four leads, but then outside of that, you've got Ellen Pompeo, Juliette Lewis. You've got uh, Patrick J. Adams from Suits in like a non-speaking role as, as one of the one of the pledges. Elisha Cuthbert, Sean William Scott. Uh, we've got Rob Codroy. He doesn't have we've any got, lines. Yeah, Snoop Dogg. Does he? No, he doesn't. Yeah. He's just you just see him there with his yeah. horrible bald patch at the front of his hair. Yeah. Andy Dick's in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, like it is it is a banger of a cast from front to back. Yeah. And I don't even think uh, you mentioned Elisha or Alicia Cuthbert. Uh, I did mention uh, her, thank so. you. I didn't mention Leah Remini. Yeah. Um, who is Vince Vaughn's wife. Yeah. And you got Craig Kilborn, Matt Walsh, who has been in, you know, he was in The Hangover, so he's obviously got some kind of connection uh, with <coughs> with Todd Phillips, uh, and then went on to do Veep and become like part of that amazing cast that did that show for so long. So, um, yeah, and playing a character called Walsh, who's, he, he was the old guy at the, the office that was like, let me join your fraternity. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, Terry O'Quinn from Lost as his boss as well. So, yeah. Really solid, a lot of just recognizable faces the whole way through. Um, so it's always it, that that makes it extra fun to watch a movie like this when you're like, oh, it's that guy, oh, it's that actress, and it just it pretty much goes the whole way through. And oh, it's the dude from Big Bang Theory or whatever. Oh yeah, I, I, for, I always forget his name. What's his name? Uh, Patrick. Yeah, I don't know. So, Simon Helberg. Yeah, that's sorry. Him. Yeah, that, that is. Yeah, that's it. I did look it up. Yeah, as Howard Wolowitz. Yeah. But also, Luke Wilson, I just want to shout him out. He also holds up the best. He's always been my favorite Wilson brother, so I want to send some love to Luke Wilson. <laughs> He's solid. They, they call him One Take Luke or something when they made this movie because apparently he nailed a lot of a lot of shots just in one take, which stacks up. Like He seems like a guy who's just really good at what he does. Um, and even though he was only like 30 or 31 when this movie came out, he'd already been acting for like you know, 10 years. I think Bottle Rocket was maybe 94 or 95. The thing that I had um, that holds up the best, a few things. Um, the first one I wanted to mention was Snoop Dogg. I feel like Snoop Dogg is just as relevant now, 20 years later, as he was appearing in this movie as a big wall kind of cameo. Like if you made this movie now, you could still just have Snoop Dogg as the musical guest and it would be just as effective and funny and interesting it might be even better now because he's even more beloved and we've seen him do even more comedy and stuff. And I think like doing this film from what I read was a favor because he wanted to play Huggy Bear in Starsky and Hutch that came out like the, the next year. And because they cast him in that, he got the invite to do this and they felt like he kind of had to say yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a fair call. Him and yeah, seeing him and Warren G on there just casually in the backyard of the godfather's house was was cool and it was a fun little scene yeah i i reckon they were like they were all blazed off their minds <laughs> shooting that scene but uh it went well yeah yeah um what did you have because i've got a couple more but you go as far as other things that hold uh, up the best yeah what holds up the best you have anything else just to cast the, like i think overall like the outside of a couple of jokes slash slurs that really didn't land mm-hmm. the comedy holds up for 95 percent of the movie like i found myself 
having a chuckle at the scenes that were playing out or the, the exchanges or the quips that were getting thrown around. And the soundtrack was fun. Yeah. There were some good bangers yeah, on the soundtrack as well. I was, I was sort of bobbing along to a few songs that I was a fan of. But overall, I just I just enjoyed the movie. Mm. It was, I think the movie overall just holds up the yeah. best. So the thing, apart from Snoop Dogg, that I wanted to say holds up really well is this movie as like a Will Ferrell like highlight reel. I think if you did like Will Ferrell's best moments compilation, um, there'd be like four or five scenes from this movie that have to be in- included in that. Like maybe it's like a six minute video. You got the the tranquilizer that we mentioned. <laughs> um, you've got the streaking, obviously, and e- even like him doing the beer bong <laughs> is hilarious. Um, I love how he comes in there. For the whole first part of the movie, he's this reserved guy and they kind of allude to him having this wild past. Um, I kind of have side tangent. Like I had almost, I had kind of a Frank the Tank moment once where um, (laughs) my (laughs) brother-in-law, so Hannah's brother was having like his 20, you know, 23rd birthday party and his sister, because they're born close together, was having oh she, she she had something happening going away party or something anyway. It was at the farm and parents weren't there and there was a beer bong and I was with Hannah and we were like the responsible older uh, adults there and Hannah was like going around like helping kids that had had way too much to drink and whatever <laughs> um, and uh, Hannah's brother got me to do a beer bong and I'd never done one before and I was like okay. I'll give it a shot, and uh, it was really fun. So that, that's my Frank the Tank story. Is I did a couple of beer bongs at my younger um, brother-in-law's party. It was very much an old school kind of feeling because I was like way older than everyone else there. <laughs> did Did you lick any like younger girls' face after no, you did it, like Will yeah, Ferrell did? No, it didn't, didn't it? Didn't have that effect on me. Um, <laughs> what he's like, it feels so good when it hits your lips. Yeah. <laughs> Another one, another one. Yeah, that was funny. Um, anyway, so yeah, as I was saying before I got sidetracked with my story, there's there's these moments between that and then you've got like the gymnastics sequence at the end where he's doing the floor routine with the ribbon. <laughs> um, when he's singing at Blue's funeral, uh, that's, oh, that's yeah. hilarious. Anytime he sings in a movie, it's funny, but especially after watching Step Brothers a few weeks ago, where they, one of the big plot points is like how amazing his voice is and he's got like the voice of an angel and he, he's really kind of like okay. He's not even like a good singer. Um, and then when he gets like, you know, quite badly hurt in the final kind of climax of the movie, he's chasing Jeremy Piven's character, gets, gets done over and he's like, I think I see blue. <laughs> he looks glorious. <laughs> He's acted like he's dying from uh, from just one tackle. So yeah, he has a few amazing moments, and um, even just him working on the car, listening to I don't know Poison or whatever that '80s hair metal is. I, I can't remember the the artist, but uh, he's just got so many uh, iconic moments in this film. Even, even the moment where he's calling his wife and he leaves her like five different voicemails. 
and because he, he keeps bumbling over them and then calling them back and leaving another one and like he, the, one of the last ones he was like you know maybe or maybe we could go for an entire meal like before that he was like we can go for a, a coffee and cake or something he's like no maybe if you'd like to and you've got the time we can have an entire meal and like he says like his full name first and last like you know oh, it's it's um, it's Frank Ricard at this number you can call me back like I was just in hysterics like yeah he was he was the MVP anytime he was on screen I felt definitely okay what holds up the worst the first thing we have to say is like the fifth line of the movie basically is a massive F-bomb gay slur dropped um, by the taxi driver and it's just like whoa like okay Um, didn't expect that so soon and um that is so like of all like the the times on this podcast when we've talked about um that word getting used in a 2000s or 90s movie the way that one was delivered felt like the most egregious like this could never possibly happen if it was made now like it was just so like aggressive so 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 aggressive and like you said it was within the first 60 seconds of the movie like Luke Wilson's trying to skip this work conference early, jumps into a cab and the cabbie just drops the F-bomb on him and holy hell, it's just like, whoa, I don't remember this. Um, okay, that's gone straight into my notes. Yeah. Luckily, there wasn't any other... It kind of stopped oh, after any, that, yeah. Yeah, the, the only other thing that was, was marginally homophobic was where uh, Pepper's... Sean William Scott was giving mouth to mouth to Will Ferrell and they sort of tongue kiss and he freaks out and then kicks Will really hard and like pushes him back into the pool <laughs> for it. But outside of that, there wasn't really any other any other sort of homophobic behavior in the movie. But those two, especially that first cabbie interaction, was like, whoa, yeah, whoa, Jesus. Okay, settle down, movie. Like, yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> and it, it sort of really derailed the movie right at the start for me, but then it luckily got back on track and... yeah left that kind of behavior back in San Diego, I think is where he was <laughs> getting the cab to uh, back to his home city. Yeah. Um, well said. I think the other one that isn't on that level, but it's like, wow, like that feels strange to me now. And so in that sense, it, it doesn't hold up well is that these guys are really young. Like the Luke Wilson character says that he's 30. Yeah. And, Will Ferrell as an actor at this point in his life was 35. I'm 35. You're a year older than me. I always looked at these guys as like (laughs) really old. And now I feel really (laughs) old. So from that aspect, (laughs) this movie doesn't hold up uh, in in that way because it, it just doesn't feel right to be older than like these old the, they're like the old guys on campus and that like are we old school brendan i think we are it certainly it certainly <laughs> feels to me like in this movie for the for the timeline and the age of the the leads it feels like luke wilson was probably a few years younger than than will farrell at least yeah. vince vaughn i don't know like this was still i looked it up vince vaughn era yeah. where he was still looking good and just didn't look like he was eternally tired he was like, where yeah. he has that sort of time jump i looked him up and and Vince Vaughn was only 31 at this point. It just seems so young. Like, I just picture them as, like, in their, like, late 30s, maybe 40. Like, well and truly, like, too old to be hanging out with these kids. 
but I feel like when you turn 30, you're not quite having that like midlife crisis yet. Um, so it's almost like a pre-midlife crisis. Uh, and I, maybe it's like the way things are changing, but I feel like people don't hit that point until a later point in life these days where every one of these characters is like, oh, like I've, I've been married and I'm in, stuck in a routine and the kids and like, I feel like people are maybe having kids later or like they're not getting as stuck in their jobs and, you know, plowed down or weighed down, bogged down by their careers to the point that these guys are just like, they all hate their lives or they have some kind of dissatisfaction. Maybe it's just the circles we're in, but it just felt like it, it didn't, it didn't uh, necessarily gel with me that they were so young. Like I, I was like, oh, taken aback by it. <laughs> I, I could certainly relate in some regards of feeling some of these emotions at the age of 30-ish. So uh, yeah, like it's it's weird what looking at this movie back now where Vince Vaughn was five years younger than me when this yeah. movie was made. And I still look at Vince Vaughn and it feels like he looks like he's 10 years older than me right yeah. now. Like... <laughs> But maybe that's just some some rose-colored glasses that I'm wearing and, and I'm just not looking at the world through the right lens. But yeah, it's weird to me to think that Will Ferrell was 35, Lou, mm. uh, yeah, Vince Vaughn was 31 and Luke Wilson was 30-ish or 31 yeah. at the same time. Like he looks, he looks to be 30, but the other two guys always thought they were yeah. tipping closer to 40 in this movie for Will Ferrell for just looks line. like he's... 40 in everything that he's done except for like night at the roxbury like even even when he's i mean maybe that's because that's when we discovered him like this was basically the first time most people would have known about him i guess um that that didn't follow him on snl but yeah it it's weird for to think that they would look at us and go yeah you guys are old because because <laughs> we're definitely older than them yeah, that's a bit of a jarring, jarring thing. Now I'm uh, really reflecting on my life up until this moment and uh, trying to put things in perspective. But yeah. outside of that, the other part I wanted to mention is there is some subtle racism from, the, or not so subtle racism. There is some blatant racism from the dean re, uh, in regards to Megan, who's played by Sarah Tanaka, who he's trying to bribe oh, yeah. to get her to to change the ruling over the fraternity, uh, and then he was like, you know. Um, Me- Megan Chang, you can go now. And she's like, it's it's Wang, not yeah. Chang, or, or, or whatever it was. Yeah. He's like, ah, oh, it's whatever. It's all the same to me. I'm just like, oh, yeah. yeah, that's that's not uh that's not so good either. Yeah, I think him being the villain, he gets like the writers can get away with throwing that in there to just ex- ex- examine his douche level. Um, yeah, yeah, or to you know explain how, like how much of a douche he is. Um, but yeah, that's that's interesting. The there's a couple there's there's a couple things left that I'm going to say. So Vince Vaughn and the way that he talks about his wife seems really weird um and toxic and like just strange because we see her multiple times. It's, you know, what's her name from King of Queens? Le- Leah Remini, yeah, yeah. She's gorgeous. Um she seems really nice. Like she just seems like a really nice woman and mother and wife like she doesn't seem like a like she nags him she doesn't seem like she doesn't let him do all this stuff that he wants to do because there he is doing it um but you know he talks about his marriage like his life's over and he he just doesn't seem very respectful 
of her and they never like he never like he, he has the moment where he actually kisses like a teenager or a, or a 20 year old and then says i'm married so we can't go further than that but i'm still like dude what are you even doing here one-on-one with this chick like have some respect for your marriage as, a, as another married man like that that's uh that's definitely overstepping some boundaries and he it never like fully f- fledges out uh, fleshes out that kind of storyline where he goes back to his wife and does appreciate her or says that i'm sorry that i've been you know hanging out with my friends instead of investing into our marriage or whatever and you know maybe that's not funny enough for this movie but i don't think it ever hurts to put a bit of heart and a bit of a message into these things and they avoided that and it's a really funny movie so maybe i don't know what i'm talking about no like i think because they tried to put a bit of heart when they showed frank and his wife go to counseling and and try and address this real issue obviously (laughs) the way the way old frank the tank (laughs) interprets the counseling session the tangent he goes on is a whole other <laughs> the, you know, the color kettle of, of fish yeah. that they need to deal with there regarding the the visualization of what the the waitress's panties were underneath that skirt and everything else. But yeah, yeah they, they try to they try to ground some of that in some reality. But yeah, I had in in my what's holds up the worst. Well, I just said yeah, Vince Vaughn's character, like uh, old Bernard Beanie Campbell. I just wrote like he, he's a dick, and he's he's either manipulative or he's using. Yeah. Uh, you know the sort of the, the issue with with Mitch's breakup to his benefit to relieve his youth and yeah hook up with chicks and even when he stops hooking up with the chick he's like you know what, let's swap details anyway in case my marriage ends <laughs> yeah. and he doesn't know how to pronounce the word theater in, the in his little advert for um, <laughs> for speaker cities like you know and we've got the best home theater or however you pronounce it. I'm like ah, that's gone on the list yeah funny um they did kind of give him this redeeming moment where Mitch is making his chaotic wedding speech and is talking about like the chick, his, his wife being blindfolded and he steps in there and it's a very like wedding crashes character kind of move where he steps in there and smoothly is like, I think what he's trying to say is, you know, love is blind and he, he saves Mitch from the embarrassment and he saves uh, Frank from having his wedding ruined by just a, terrible speech so he had that one moment where he kind of did something for his friends that wasn't uh for himself but um yeah but then jump forward five minutes before that the ceremony (laughs) and they're doing the vows and he's like don't get married don't do it you know horrible idea in front of everybody it's like what are you doing man yes so yeah interesting and uh, maybe they you know i I think the people writing this movie just went what's going to be the funniest we'll just have him be like this and and that's the way they did it but hey can't all have the heart of uh of uh the the best the best films this is you know maybe that maybe that's why it's not remembered as much as some other uh films that we've talked about in this podcast i did appreciate his commitment to the clown costume at his son's birthday party though that was a fantastic look he went all in yeah Uh, and then we had uh the you know one of your most iconic Feel, uh, most iconic scenes was the KY Jelly wrestling and I just thought you know having the two women strip their uh, tops off just for the sake of it is a very almost could have gone under like most 2000s kind of moment because it's like hey, let's get some boobs 
in this movie for the teenage boys to go tell their friends that there's boobs in this movie so that they'll rent it and maybe pause it. <laughs> Cheap pops, when not, Cheap when pops not, JP. If they're not pausing it on Will Ferrell's junk, they'll, yeah. they'll pause it here. Um, and I, I guess it kind of like plays into the comedy because you're thinking like, is Blue fainting because he's seeing these young breasts? Um but they didn't necessarily have to do that. And I think if they made this movie now, that probably wouldn't be done the exact same way. Maybe. I think, I think like, yeah, they, they weren't necessary, but they certainly doubled down on, okay, Blue died from a massive heart attack because he probably hasn't been this stimulated in decades. Yeah, and yeah I guess his ticker just exploded. It served a purpose. Anyway, I'll let it go. I'll, I'll give it a pass. But um, okay, yeah. Anyway, who would be most offended? I think you know we've mentioned the gay community with the slur that's mentioned. We've mentioned probably just women with the way that uh, mm-hmm. they're portrayed as not necessarily like the villains, but they're certainly like the ones that are stopping these guys from having <laughs> their fun, or they're the ones that are always kind of wronging them when they're trying to do whatever they want to do. Um. But it's not like I, I don't think this is a super offensive movie in, in compared to a lot of others. Yeah, I also uh, wrote in my notes just anyone that has a love or adoration or care and respect for the sanctity of marriage, because <laughs> uh, you know there's there's people getting divorced left, right, and center. There's cheating going on here and there. Yeah, true. It's uh, it takes th- a bad there's rap. not many healthy relationships in this movie through the entirety of it. Yeah, now that you say it, I'm like. Can't, can't really I guess Vince Vaughn has the best relationship in the movie and it's yeah and yet he's cheating <laughs> yeah so while his while his beautiful wife is at home doing B- reading Scientology books doing BJ classes like you know yeah. <laughs> anyway <laughs> um, does old school pass the internet relevancy test via memes and gifs Brendan this is a big tick for me. Um, I th- big tick. I think the streaking, like we're going streaking. I think um, you're my boy, Blue. I think the Sean William Scott, that's awesome clip. Uh, some of the the drinking stuff. Uh, I wrote I wrote down the word dart. I don't. Oh, there the the sorry. Yeah, the dart going into the dart in the neck. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even there's a post-credits scene where um, Frank meets the Juliet Lewis character, and <laughs> that is really funny. But it's also something that you see react like as a reaction GIF that's used um, where he's like awesome or like he's like you know really psyched in the supermarket. Um, so yeah, this one's kicking goals all over the place. Yeah, I, I completely agree. This is uh, this ain't the, the the verified. This isn't like the paid Twitter blue. This is the verified yeah. official big Twitter tick. It is <laughs> rubber stamped. Yeah, going streaking and and any reference to you know my boy blue or blue you my boy. However you want to you know take it depending on the the scene. They're the two standouts, but there is a few bangers. And that post credit scene in in the um in the shopping. In the shopping mart, yeah. yeah, cracks me up. Like, 
whether it be the punching of the cereal boxes or the kicking and then like just the random at the end with the other lady pushing her cart through and he's like oh, you like that or whatever she says like yells it at her like it just gets me so uh yeah it's 110 relevant on the internet still today yeah it's time for the steve buscemi spark plug award steve buscemi a real spark plug this is tough this is tough because like there's a few. Will Ferrell's the MVP of this movie, but he's in it far yeah. too much. I think the, the nominees have to be Andy Dick, Sean William Scott. And Sean William Scott. And Craig Kilborn, I'm going to throw out there just because he's such a douche. Like, as soon as you see that boyfriend of um, old Grey's Anatomy, uh, Mark. Ellen Pompeo, who plays Nicole. Yeah, yeah, when you see him, you know straight away he's going to be slimy. And he's he is slimy every time he shows up. Uh, but when he kind of like he's in the bathroom and he's telling him like, <laughs> uh, bro code, <laughs> yeah, guys don't, you know, that's something chicks do. You don't look like a chick or whatever he says. It's like, I can see someone being like insulted or manipulated enough to actually be like, I hate you, but I don't want to be a chick. So I'm not going to tell on you or like whatever. Like he's just, just gotten under the skin just enough to get away with it. Um, so yeah, he he. I thought he did really well with that, but we're talking about probably comedy more here. So I think Sean William Scott, as fun as it is to see Andy Dick trying to do some kind of martial arts. <laughs> yeah, I, I had Andy Dick at first and then pivoted to Sean William Scott who played Peppers, yeah. who was fantastic in the screen time he got with Will Ferrell. Yeah. It's, it's like he's explaining how the dart works, that he bought it in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And just as he's explaining how powerful it is, boom. And then that's awesome. And then, yeah, uh, it can, it, what did he say? It was like, it can pierce one inch thick rhino skin or yeah. something and right in the neck. And like, and then, and then seeing him in like the slow motion as well, it's, it's such a funny scene. Uh, so. I don't know if he's won this award before. He's been in a few movies, but he's probably been more of the lead. So congrats, Sean William Scott. You're leaving uh, not empty-handed with maybe something to go alongside your Nickelodeon um, or Teen's Choice Award for Best Kiss that you won back in uh, the early 2000s for making out with Ashton Kutcher in Dude, Where's My Car? There you go. Yeah, an honorable mention to Elisha Cuthbert because she's just she was one of my all time crushes back in the day. Yeah, it was kind of weird seeing her and then her being like underage and you being like, okay, uh, now I have these strange feelings. Just like that that character has these strange feelings. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's by design though. So, man, that 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 could be a storyline that maybe uh, that maybe doesn't hold up the best given. You know the way things are these days, but um, I guess it's it's played for what it is. It's not played as like a as an okay thing. Yeah, and and Mitch didn't know she was of that age. Like that doesn't make it okay. That's, I'm not saying that's that. The thing. But like, kind of like she was misrepresenting, and that's pretty bad in itself. Um, especially because she could then turn around and be like, you know, give me. 10 grand or I'm going to tell my dad and you're going to lose your job mm. like she's in this position then but anyway um, the next question and we're going to end with this the last question on Comedy Rewind is this still a good movie? you damn straight it is JP oh, yeah. outside of like that opening 60 seconds that just really floored me with the, the yeah. taxi taxi driver 
the rest of that 90 odd minutes outside of that minute was fantastic. I was enjoying myself the entirety of it. I was smiling. I was laughing, doing some Leonardo DiCaprio points at the TV (laughs) at certain characters. And I just really, really, really had a good time. So yeah, damn right. Old School is a good movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, I would say that... um if you haven't seen Old School, you can still watch it for the first time, enjoy it. Um, if you're a big Will Ferrell fan, it's definitely one that you can just go back and enjoy alongside Step Brothers and Anchorman and, you know, some of those better 2000s movies. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's just a really solid movie and that's why it's been on the list and why I wanted to end with it because just a lot, a lot of fun, doesn't take itself too seriously, uh, has some all-time, you know, highlight moments for for characters like Will Ferrell and Vince Vaughn. Haven't even mentioned earmuffs, which was, um, I know at least for some people, that's like something that has been adopted into like everyday life of of uh, of being a parent, <laughs> or even just like. As a joke, I could be like earmuffs, Brendan, because I'm going to say something bad about anime, and I don't want you to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, or you know, <laughs> earmuffs, Jono, the Bulls are not going to make the playoffs. Um, so yeah, I think that's something that uh, we can we can keep rolling is is the earmuffs. But uh, yeah, it's um it's just all around a, a good time, apart from the one thing you mentioned, and it's it's just fun also to see Luke Wilson. And Vince Vaughn and Will Ferrell together as a as a trio, they have really great chemistry. And mm-hmm. I, I did read that like Will uh, Will Ferrell and Vince Vaughn got together to like talk about their characters' backstory and where they met and how long they'd been friends and all of that kind of stuff. That's not even mentioned in the film, just so that I guess even coming from like a place when you're improvising, they could bring some authenticity to that and i think that that really comes across that these guys are friends that they have known each other for a long time and they have this history um even though they're not always kind to one another um you do feel like there is something real about the dynamic between those three guys Uh, and that makes it fun to go back and watch and to especially now that we're older than these characters and you kind of think like yeah. Still don't believe that, Jono. <laughs> it's just it's it's funny being, you know, when we watched this movie, we were the younger characters thinking like, you know, maybe it would be fun to hang out with these older guys. Uh but now we're the older characters thinking like, yeah, what would it be like to kind of try and connect with like a 20-year-old and like bring something to them that they don't know and like it's interesting because, uh, you know, they've got something to impart on this younger generation or they think they do about, like, the right way to live or whatever. And it's like, hmm, yeah, h- how would I connect with these young people? How would I have a good time with them? And and what what uh, kind of... Um, what am I missing out on by being a responsible adult? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm very well said, I think. It's, um, yeah, their, their, uh, their connection, even though, yeah, I'm still in denial that we're older than them at the time of recording of that film, their, their connection on and off screen is what carries it. You can see that there is some genuine love and adoration and it just makes that experience all the more better and all the more believable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you'd be you'd be closer in age to Will Ferrell when he made like Anchorman or something. Mm. <laughs> Which <God. laughs> also kind of weird. Uh, anyway, 
Shout out to Christina Applegate. She's a legend. She is. We're going to end it there. Listeners, thanks for joining us on this wild ride. Um, I'm not going to say subscribe because there's nothing new to come after this, but you can go back and listen to 85 or 86 episodes prior to this. And um, I, I know some people have said that they're doing that, you know, going back and listening to, to older stuff. And the beauty of this is that it's pretty evergreen apart from, you know, what have you done for me lately? I think you can listen to any episode at any point and it's still going to be relevant as far as things that hold up well in the 2020s. Uh, but yeah, subscribe to The Hungry Gamers because that's where you can catch me along with Brendan uh, whenever I pop up. Brendan, do you want to plug your other podcasts as well? Yeah, sure thing. Obviously, you can find everything housed under the 8-bit uh, banner at videogamesandculture.com. We've got uh, The Hungry Gamers as the prior of Merry RSS feed that encompasses... The Hungry Gamers, The Hungry Game Show sometimes, our spoiler cast episodes, as well as our video game book club episodes. So there is a ton of different content outside of just your standard video game and culture related news and reviews pieces in there. So mm. plenty of stuff to keep you busy. There's also the Bitecast podcast, which is food focused, 8Crit, which is our role playing podcast area. We've got uh, a Witcher RP you could listen to as well as a Star Wars one. We've got some stuff in the pipe for 2023 there i've also got a new anime podcast called more than hentai and anime appreciation podcast which should be out or just about out by the time you're hearing this episode of old school mm -hmm. jp i want to quickly ask you though on these you know 80 odd episodes you've done not saying like your favorite episode as far as the favorite one you've recorded but what's been your favorite and least favorite Ooh rewatch you've had in those good, 80 odd movies yeah, good good question um and good way to, to wrap this up i'm just going to pull up our um captivate page where we upload our episodes so i can scroll through off the top of my head i think because it's one of my favorite movies ever dumb and dumber which i think was with you and mm -hmm. benny was it maybe that was up there because just getting a chance to talk about something that I love so much. Uh, always a good time. Um, the Big Lebowski was a good one because it was a movie that I had liked when I watched it, but watching it with a critical eye was especially, like, made me appreciate it even more. On the the less... <laughs> The less favorite ones. I'm just scrolling through to see. Can I, is is Pick of Destiny <laughs> one of the ones on there? No, because that was because I watched it with you, so it was extra fun just because that was true of that and getting to you know watch it with um with with Maddie. As, yeah, as that's well. it. We all recorded here in the studio together and had a had a great time. Yeah, but the movie was. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Were you on the hate Super Troopers wagon with me? Yeah, Super Troopers may have been the hardest one to to watch and talk about because it it was such a quirky kind of niche thing. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, like it was fun to talk about Kung Pao, which is probably just as weird, but it's just funnier, I think. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I I think I mentioned the ones that, that stick, that at least the ones that stick out in my memory the most, and um, 
you know, the Truman Show, I had a really great time talking about with my friend DJ. Um, probably a least memorable recording experience was Notting Hill because I had to do it by myself, but I did bring in my dad <laughs> to have a quick chat because he'd watched it recently. So it was just like, hey, dad, jump on the mic and tell me a little bit about what you thought. So yeah, I mean, like, I've enjoyed the experience of recording every episode and there's only, yeah, been a couple a couple um, that haven't felt like, like, you know, when it comes time to say, is it still a good movie? There's only been a couple where the answer is no. And it's, it's okay. usually with like a proviso, like e- even something that's like as memorable as Wayne's World, way back, like first, you know, episode five, it was like, if you've never seen it, I don't know if you'd really get anything out of it. But if you've been a long time fan, it's worth another shot. You know, it's worth going back and yeah. retouching those memories. Some things age, some things don't as far as like what's funny. And that's that's been another really cool thing is like just watching Hollywood change over the years because it's, you know, not from 1990 to 2009 is what we've covered and everything in between not just what's funny but what's offensive what's um in fashion yeah it's it's been a, a really fun time and um there's it's been a chance to watch some movies that i've never seen before um army of darkness you guys oh, yeah. introduced me to scooby-doo is probably like one of the one of the lesser <laughs> um ones <laughs> but you know I, i'd never seen four weddings and a funeral I, yeah so thanks for asking that question brennan it's uh it's, it's, it's good. good to it's good to walk down memory lane before we close the door on the podcast but yeah you, you can catch me on the hungry gamers feed with the crisis core uh video game book club which has just been recorded and published with our friend paul james over at player two lovely patch you can keep up with all of my online adventures on twitter and other socials at Jono himself brendan is at brendan 8-bit until you catch us or we catch you around the traps dear listeners i want to thank you for the last time for joining us on comedy rewind be kind.